Welcome to the Business of Psychology podcast, the show that helps you to reach more people, help more people, and build the life you want to live by doing more than therapy. I know nobody likes talking about money. I don't like talking about money, but I am motivated to make an episode about money today because I see so many people being completely blindsided by the costs of running a private practice and setting their fees badly (laughs) at the beginning of their private work because they just don't anticipate some of the stuff that they're gonna end up spending money on. This is a mistake that I made and it's only from you know learning the very hard way by not making enough money in my practice to even pay for my childcare that I came to this realization and I don't want anybody else getting started in private practice now to be going through that. So I thought today I would run through some of the unexpected costs of running a private practice so that you can make an empowered pricing decision from the beginning. Okay, so the first unexpected cost is supervision. Now you probably know that you need supervision and you probably have already sort of factored that into your equation. But what you might not realize is that you might need a lot more than you think you do when you're starting out in private practice. Um, Because you might feel a little bit less confident than you do when you're surrounded by a team in an NHS setting. You also might find that you want specialist supervision on particular topics. I often talk in private practice about how beneficial it can be to have more than one supervisor. So for a long time, I had a supervisor who was a specialist in trauma because I was doing a lot of trauma therapy. And I also had a supervisor who was a specialist in online therapy because online therapy was quite a new thing for me, but also a new thing in general when I started it. And I felt like I needed somebody who had expertise in dealing with risk issues in particular in the online context. So I actually ended up paying for two lots of supervision every month when when I started out in practice, I thought, oh, well, you know, if I look at the hours I'm doing versus what I was doing in the NHS, probably once a month is enough. Well, it wasn't. So my supervision hours were were always double um, what I had initially thought they were going to be. The other thing that I hadn't really considered when I set out in private practice was how much I would want to spend on CPD. And again, you know, you might have already thought about this, maybe wanting to engage more in continuing professional development is a reason that you left the NHS or a reason that you're deciding to strike out in private practice. Um, So it may be that this has been at the top of your mind, but for me, I hadn't really considered how much CPD I would want to do in order to feel like I was serving my clients to the best of my ability. Um, We don't actually tend to do that much of it in the NHS, or I didn't, there wasn't as much opportunity for it. But when I got out into the private space, I became aware of all of these amazing courses that I could do. And while I would say that you need to kind of watch your imposter syndrome sometimes, and it may be that your imposter syndrome is telling you you need to do course after course after course, when in reality, you'd be fine just kind of reading a book and using your existing knowledge and supervision. 
there actually are times when it's really beneficial to your private practice to get an extra accreditation under your belt or to spend a bit of time on some additional workshops that are going to give you that confidence that you need to push forward with your marketing. Um, So making sure that you've got a healthy budget in your mind for CPD is really important from the beginning, in my opinion. Obviously, insurance costs money, and you need to think from the beginning about what that premium is likely to be for you, make some calls and get a realistic quote. In my experience, it's been going up year on year. And also because we're working in different ways, we might need to get more extensive insurance than we did in the past. So have a listen to my episode with Catherine France about the different kinds of insurance you might need, because some of those you might find surprising. For example, I hadn't really considered when I set up my practice that I might need cyber insurance, but I now think that is pretty important for most of us. So have a listen to that episode and make sure that you've got a realistic idea about what insurance is going to cost you. Now, it's likely that if you're setting up in private practice, you have considered um, that rent, for example, is likely to cost you money or premises of some sort. However, you might not have considered all of the different costs that are associated with providing sessions to people, whether those are online or one-on-one. So under that kind of premises category, If you're seeing people in person, you need to be aware of whether your premises might incur business rates, council tax, um, whether you will need to be paying for the energy bills and the costs of Wi-Fi in that premises. Um, In my experience, if you're not paying those, then they'll be rolled into a more expensive uh, rent, either by the hour or... Uh, monthly rent if you've got exclusive use of a premises. So kind of wherever you are, you need to consider those things because if you're working from home, you are going to have increased energy bills, which is very relevant at the moment, as we're seeing those absolutely soaring. Um, And you will most likely want to pay for the most expensive premium Wi-Fi service you can get to your house. Um, because if you're seeing people online, there is really nothing worse than a dodgy connection. So, you know, you need to consider all of those things. Also, whether you might need to adapt your house in some way, if you're seeing people from home, in order to make your client work feasible, whether that is a bit of soundproofing, if you're offering online sessions, whether it's moving where your Wi-Fi router is so that you can plug into it. There are all kinds of things that you might want to consider if you're working from home that you might not have realized are gonna cost you money. So do have a think about that. Even if it's, oh, I need a new desk, that all costs money and it needs to be factored in from the beginning of your private practice. Another thing you might not have considered at the outset is that you will need to regularly invest money in courses, online courses, or coaching in business skills. To run a successful business, you need to continuously be learning and investing in business skills, whether that is marketing, uh, whether that is the bare bones of running a successful business, financial management, or whether it is in coaching, having somebody hold your hand and help you take your business to the next level. 
you will always need to be investing in something in your business. It's the reality of it. If you want to be successful, you have to keep learning. And that's because the world of business and the world of marketing change continuously. So it is not the case that you can do one course and then you're set for the next five years. I would say your business always needs to be growing or it will be declining. And therefore you always need to be learning new ways of making your business more effective, more efficient and getting it in front of more people. So I don't think since I started my business, there has even been one month where I haven't been paying for some kind of business development, education or coaching. So I wish that I'd known that at the beginning so I could have factored that in to my expected running costs. Another thing that hopefully you have thought of but you might not have is that you will need the best computer that you can get. (laughs) Even if you're not working online, you're doing most of your um, work face-to-face, you need to be working with good technology because most of our marketing these days requires a good online presence. I've talked about that a lot on this podcast. And everything you do in your practice is just going to take you too long if you're working with rubbish machinery. So don't put up with that. It's a false economy. You need to get yourself a decent computer. You can either... um, you know, buy one up front if you've got the capital or if you don't, you can actually lease them for a fairly good deal. Uh, A company that I've used in the past is called Hardsoft, but there's a few out there where you can lease the latest technology uh, for a monthly fee rather than paying for it up front. So that is worth considering. Also, you need to make sure that you've got the software in place that's going to make your life easier and make sure that your practice is compliant with GDPR. I go into all of that in our episode on the tools that you need to run your private practice. So go back and listen to that one. I won't run through them all now, but they all cost money and it is worth factoring that in from the beginning as well. I also really wish that I had, at the beginning of my private practice journey, set aside a budget for admin and marketing support and by that I mean outsourcing the admin to a VA and outsourcing um, some of my marketing the stuff that I'm not so good at like creating graphics to somebody who is good at it from the very beginning Um, so if you are kind of on the cusp of making that decision or if you're concerned about outsourcing and worried that you can't afford it I really urge you to listen to my episode with the psych VA Anna my lovely VA um, because she in that talks about how you can make sure that you get a return on investment very quickly I also just think though that you need to set your fees with it already factored in that you will be getting support with these things Um, because it can really hold you back in your practice and I almost think we need to have the attitude that it's unacceptable not to have admin support which I know often we feel like in the NHS we don't have very much admin support and so we think we can manage without it well okay maybe you can while you've got a handful of clients but are you giving those clients the best service possible if you're spending all of your time Uh, uploading notes, dealing with scheduling issues, doing your own invoicing. I would argue not. I would argue in that time you could be 
um, doing CPD, you could be thinking about your clients, formulating, doing a lot of stuff that's going to bring a lot more value to them than you sitting there doing your own admin. Um, So I would urge you to get admin support from the beginning and that will mean that you need to charge higher fees. But it will also mean that your work with those people is more effective. Um, And I very much come down on that being the better way around to do things. Um, So yes, admin and marketing support. I wish I'd factored that in from the beginning and I think that you really should. Also, two things which Sally Farrant, our pricing queen who helps us figure out our pricing strategy in Psychology Business School, um, told me that I should be factoring this into my fees and it had honestly never occurred to me were things like time off and pension contributions. You will not be able to work every day of the year. You are going to need to take holiday. You are going to need to take sick days. And actually factoring those in from the beginning when you're working out your fees is really important. Also, you need to be paying into a pension. And I'm saying this as a total hypocrite because I don't even yet have my pension sorted, but I know this is really, really important and we should be factoring it in to our fees from the beginning because you deserve to have a good pension. <laughs> Um, and our lives could look pretty grim if we uh, if we get to retirement age and we don't have a decent pension in place. And it's one of the things which we tend to fail to consider and fail to consider when we're setting our fees. So please, please have a think about that and and factor that in to your finances from the beginning of your practice. If you need more support with setting your fees, then please listen to our episode with Sally Farrant, the pricing queen. Um, she's an accountant who has a very straightforward process to help us figure out what we need to charge that takes into consideration all of these things that we've talked about today and helps you come up with a minimum fee that you should never work for less than. It's really, really helpful. It's completely transformed my practice. Um, And so I very thoroughly recommend that you do listen to that episode. I'd also encourage you, if you're setting up now in private practice, to come over to psychologybusinessschool.com and have a look at our resources and our um, foundation course, Psychology Business School, where we really walk you through all of this and we help you to figure out your pricing strategy from the beginning, as well as getting all of your other foundations in place for um, your private practice and setting up your marketing machine and all of everything basically that you need to know to get set up properly in private practice. Because honestly, I feel like if you get this right from the beginning, you're going to avoid a lot of the pain that I've been through and I've seen other people go through in private practice. It is well worth investing your time and a bit of money at the beginning to to get this right. Um, So I hope that has inspired you to have a look at your financial projections and to make sure that your pricing strategy takes into account all of these unexpected costs. Um, Please do let me know what you think of this episode. I'm on Instagram at Rosie Gilderthorpe and as ever I'd love to hear from you. Do you sometimes wake up at two o'clock in the morning worried that you've made a terrible error that will bring professional ruin upon you and disgrace your family? (laughs) I'm laughing now, but when I first set up in private practice, I was completely terrified that I'd miss something big when setting up my insurance or data protection. 
Even now, three years in, I sometimes catch myself wondering if I've really covered all the bases. It's hard, no, probably impossible, to think creatively and have the impact you should be having in your practice if you aren't confident that you've got a secure business underneath you. But it can be overwhelming to figure out exactly what you need to prioritise before those clients start coming in. I've created a free checklist plus resources list to take the thinking out of it. Tick off every box and you can see your clients confident in the knowledge that you've got everything in place for your security and theirs. Download it now from psychologybusinessschool.com forward slash client hyphen checklist. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Business of Psychology podcast. If you share my passion for doing more than therapy, then make sure you come over and join my free Do More Than Therapy Facebook community, where you can work on getting your big ideas off the ground with like-minded psychologists and therapists. I'd also love it if you could leave this show a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. It will help more of the people who need it to find it. See you next week for more tips and inspirational stories to help you do more than therapy.